back on another. It is uh, 629, 2022, 1 o'clock, 1300 for you military types. Uh, I've been out of pocket lately because uh, travel and uh, what was it? Identiverse and a couple of other things. But, um, you know, it is interesting to see new stuff rolling out. Identiverse was overall a good event. Uh, lots of talk about passwordless identity security stuff new things in the space um practical applications of distributed ledger technology not the b word blockchain blockchain not that b word but lots of interesting stuff there um you know on a on a personal level i think this is something that folks should understand not you know if you see somebody that you think is doing good and uh tracking on a lot of you know just staying after it all the time um i saw somebody say it on twitter the other day like you never know what someone's going through my parents house the the house that i grew up in it burnt the fuck down father's day of this year um that's weighing on me real heavy on a personal level what does that mean for work that means that honestly i've got shit going on and sometimes i get a bit distracted including the travel stuff the reason that i'm saying this is we see LinkedIn and we see Twitter and we see people talk about all these amazing things they're doing and whatever else. And people will kind of go, okay, well, this must be, you know, um, somebody that's really got it all together. Everybody's got shit they're dealing with all the time. It's never awesome and amazing hundred percent of the time. Um, be kind to people because there's way too many folks that are shitty to people and are keyboard warriors and whatever else. Um, it's, you know, Life is hard enough. It's harder when you're an asshole to somebody online for no real reason. So just, I don't know, my two cents is just be kind to folks because you never know what they're going through. Anyway, uh, further on to that, I, I want to do the thing that I normally do on this uh, because I think it's worth doing. Um, 30 minutes ago, I started looking around the internet because I like to show just how, I don't know, not easy, but just how doable this type of reconnaissance is. Started doing some looking around. I said, okay, what could I find today? 629 2022 at 1300 one o'clock if you're not military um that was related to medical device uh, or medical offices that had remote desktop protocol enabled to a server with admin level creds uh and no authentication and that i could find uh in the united states i thought okay i'm, I'm really banging away at something you know here that i won't be able to get to shouldn't be easy now again like i said i'm looking for a remote desktop protocol medical uh, offices because i would like to do that because there's a compliance issue there and there's a, a real reason they have to have better security in place supposedly um and i shouldn't be able to find this stuff and i thought okay cool we'll be able to find a lot of things of interest or value but here we are now ran my stuff did a couple little pokey pokes some scanny scan scans and guess what Here's what I'm looking at right now. Currently, I'm looking at 23, uh, oh, excuse me, 26, had an update, scan ran again, 26 organizations that are tied to medical uh, offices that are here in the United States, um, all of them with remote desktop protocol enabled without authentication, um, administrator level creds, uh, and are sharing the login screens. So... Here's the other funny part of this. Remember this. I mean, this is if you talk about low hanging fruit, like this is fruit that's on the floor that you could just walk by and pick up. Um, 
so this is there's low hanging and there's this shit. So here it is right here. Uh, let's see. There's an admin. And it's nice that they also give you the domain controller stuff tied to it as well. Uh, this one actually um, does have some interesting information on it that says, hey, this is medical device. This machine is to be used for acquisition and review of x-ray images. Personal use is not covered under included warranties. You are responsible for the data to maintain and check the automatic backup by logging in. You agree to these terms. I'm at home. I could log in right now. Um, and this is an organization in Oklahoma City who, again, like I always do, I'll reach out to these people and let them know what's up. But uh, yeah, now these are not honeypots. Um, there's probably some honeypots out there. I tried to filter out honeypots that were pretty overt, but these are these are tied to something. I did some recon and even found some of the back end information here as well. Um, However, uh, let's see, this one has a blue keep vulnerability. Let's see. And that one's in Houston, Houston, Texas. And then here's where it gets really interesting. So there's an organization in Manhattan, New York, New York. I don't know how you say it because I'm from Texas. I'm bad at, you know, accents. Medical in Manhattan. I'm not going to put their name out there because I don't want to get in trouble. Um, but their Windows server, which is RDP'd to the Internet. Uh, let's see. Um 2012 is the push on this server, release number two, 2012. And of the 26 that I'm looking at, one, two, three, five are this particular medical office. Now there's one other medical group who's in Canton, which I'm not sure which Canton they're talking about because there's more than one. Um, this one is also 2012 R2. Now, last time I checked, it's 2022. Um, but this one here from 2012 with the stuff, uh, this computer is property of this organization. Again, I won't put it out there. Um, it's for authorized users only, but your authorized users are the fucking internet. So, whoops. Um, that it uh, no expectation of privacy. Okay. Uh, any, or, any and all uses of this system and files. Maybe intercepted, monitored, recorded, the uh, medical computer systems. Log off immediately if you do not agree to the conditions stated in this warning. I'm looking at the login right now in admin, and I see domain controller. Um, yeah, like game over. Uh, but here it is again. I will notify these organizations. I'll send them the screenshots. Guarantee you money that somebody's going to come back and send me cease and desist letter. And I'll get a nasty gram and it'll be the same thing as six months from now. Now, the last one I wanted to point out because this was kind of comical. This is in San Dimas, which I think is in California. Wasn't there like a movie with Polly Shore about San Dimas, like uh, Encino Man? Anyway, um, RDP. Now, this one, they didn't even bother putting a login screen in front of it. It's got the full on uh, login information. It's got the domain. It's got the BIOS. It's got everything else. The FQDN. Uh, administrator is, is act, actually uh, currently actively logged in, which is great. And it gives you the name of the admin. And then guess what level of operating system is on this server? Windows 2008 R2. 2008 R2, logged in, touching the internet. I can see the user that's logged in right now. Uh, OS build 6.1.7601. Um, and it's actually... Windows Server 2008 R2 with the OS uh, Windows 7. 
again, right here, right now, tied to a medical organization on the internet, easy peasy. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, it's uh 10 after. And again, I found, uh, again, 26 in the United States, super easy stuff. I own them like, and how much, how much is a, a HIPAA compliance violation right now? Well, I can't remember how much is per record, but whew, this would be a bad day. This would be a bad day for somebody. Um, yeah. Anyway, so let's go on a little bit further and do a couple of other pieces here. Uh, I've got to notify those organizations, but um, I, I wanted to talk quickly about um, a comment that, that I had going back and forth with somebody about phishing training. So let me say unequivocally for the record, you should train your people about phishing. Everyone should know what phishing is. Everyone should understand that you need to you know, defend yourself from phishing and you should be aware of shit you're clicking on. So let's just put that on the bottom line. Phishing training is valuable. You need to know what phishing is. There it is. Now, phishing training, in my defense, is not a technical control. Um, I'm working on a paper right now that I've tentatively titled, I can't stig a human. And if you know what stig are, you'll understand what I'm saying. There is no technical control that I can get from training that stops someone from clicking a link. There are studies that are published that show that statistically speaking and data and statistics is the only truth we deal with in the universe math that organizations will see a six to 9% continued click rate, even after phishing training. I train them, educate them, make them understand, but understand that they will click links. Now, somebody said that, well, you should just not bother, you know, trying whatever. No, you should train them. But just like you learn how to drive a vehicle, right? Everyone hopefully has learned how to drive a car. You still have a technical control in front of you as you are rocketing down the highway. It's called a seatbelt. And hopefully you also have an airbag. Something like that. I have a 1970 Oldsmobile Tornado. It didn't have an airbag, but it's got a seatbelt. That is the technical control. Now, imagine if I said, there's a seatbelt right there. And when you get in a wreck or when you really think you're about to wreck, I want you to buckle that thing up right before it happens. That's what fishing training is. Doesn't it make more sense to say, look, the airbag is on by default. There are sensors and controls. There's technical things in place. You're enveloped in a big steel cage. You can drive the speed limit, which is intelligent. You can be smart about how you change lanes, et cetera. We can put other stuff out there to keep you from whatever. And then you've got that control in front of you so that when you hit something, you'll probably likely survive. This is not, this is not arguable in my, in my, in my opinion. Like you can train people all day long. They will still find a way to click on links. Um, the studies that have come out have actually shown that people actually get worse at clicking on links following phishing training. Why? Because people click shit. That's what the internet is for. Therefore, for the record, because I'm sick of answering this fucking question, train your people, educate them, make sure they understand phishing, but that is not a technical control. If you rely on a trained, educated workforce to be your level of defense against bad things on the internet, you're going to fail. Don't do it. There you have it. <clears throat> Enough, I'm off my soapbox. All right, moving on. Uh, the State Department published um, what they said was a new cyber strategy, and this is slightly concerning to me. 
um, because the State Department's been around for quite a while. They do a lot of things with certain three-letter agencies that would think you would have they would have this in place before. State Department cyber strategy emphasizes proactively hunting for threats now. Um, proactively. So what were they doing before? Were they reactively? The State Department Bureau of Intelligence and Research, the INR, released a cybersecurity strategy Monday, which I'm reading this right now. It's pretty long, meant to address what the bureau chief called technical debt, which is also concerning, and to create a more proactive culture when it comes to finding and fixing vulnerabilities. Uh-oh. The strategy document focused on what INR is doing to strengthen the security department's top secret computing environment and how we manage risk. Now, that's the, the twist in this that's concerning, right, is... This is the folks running it at State Department, INR, that are saying it's 2022. We're doing stuff to be more proactive about what's going on in our top secret computing environment. Isn't that concerning? Think about what State Department does. Think about where the embassies are. Think about now we're talking about, uh, you know, do being proactive. Now, it, go, it gets worse. A key element of the strategy involves migrating to the cloud. Okay. The strategy document emphasizes the need to prioritize and leverage new technologies and establish modern infrastructure. The strategy also focuses on the need to deploy real-time threat-based security functions. I talk about this all the time, and I try not to just, you know, beat this horse to death, but, like, this is more evidence of there's people in charge that are running things that don't really understand how this is supposed to go, and that you do this before you actually move to a more dynamic, more diverse, more distributed environment. But here we are again with another agency saying, all of a sudden, we're going to be proactive. Oh, but we're going to be more proactive in a more dispersed, more hybridized, more cloud-based infrastructure. And we're going to do it with less resources. But we don't know how that's going to happen. We're just going to do it because that's what we say is going to do. Um, doesn't that seem kind of counter to a good strategy? Like, literally, this thing is called strategy. And that sounds like the worst strategy that I've heard of in quite a while. Uh, strategy document focused on making INR staff more accountable for managing cyber risk, aka probably more phishing training, recruiting and retaining a workforce with strong cybersecurity skills, hard to do, and working more closely with larger agencies such as DHS. Hmm. Uh, or better resources will help the relatively small foreign person INR staff create a cybersecurity culture that is appropriate for the high volume of top secret information the Bureau handles. I won't go into specifics because I'm not trying to get myself in trouble, but let's just say I've worked at some of the three letters that deal with these organizations. They're handling some of the most classified stuff, especially on the human side that you could ever imagine. Um, here we are in 2022 saying we're going to move this stuff to the cloud. We're going to do it in some sort of weird, wonky strategy sort of approach. Oh, and by the way, we're going to staff it with more people and make them more accountable for cyber. But we don't know where we're going to get them. We don't know how we're going to do that. And then we're just going to go sideways on it doesn't sound encouraging to me. Uh, yeah. So, right. Um, bleeping computer, really interesting article. And this is one of those, I told you so moments, I will take a little bit of, you know, uh, high horse here because I wrote about this. I put it in my book, FBI stolen PII and deep fakes used to apply for remote tech jobs by Sergey Sergu, Sergu, I don't know, Gatlin. Um, and basically what this says is that uh, there is reports that the PII that's been stolen for decades for all that you know information that's been stolen for so long is now going to be used in the combination with deep fake technology.
to allow people to get remote work positions. Uh, and basically what that means is if you go out there and buy all that bet, you can use deep fakes, including voice or remote jobs. Now the question becomes with all of us being more remote and more businesses looking to move to remote work, doesn't that make it more likely that these types of attacks would be used for a variety of different organizations, not just your low hanging fruit, easy stuff to get to that type of thing. Government organizations, third parties, vendors, contractors, outside, whatever else. There's times they don't do a great job betting what's going on there. Look it up. There's reports on it. Um, they're going to be giving access to organizations. If I'm a foreign threat actor or a threat actor in general, this is a perfect place for me to be. This is a good thing for me to be engaged in. Um, it talks about video deep fakes are easier to detect. Okay, don't necessarily disagree with that. Um, if you're paying really good attention or it's a really crappy deep fake. However, if you're up for the work, you can come up with some really good deep fakes. Um, so know that. So, so there is a PDF here. There's a private industry notification that deep fakes, including high quality generator, manipulated video images, text and audio are getting more sophisticated by the day and will likely be leveraged broadly by foreign adversaries in cyber and foreign influence operations. I personally think that you're going to see a lot more of this type of stuff coming up in the election cycle. I think you're going to see lots of deep fakes. I think you're going to see lots of targeting, lots of misinformation campaigns. And the organizations that are out there that are engaged here are going to use that PII, the stolen data that's been taken for so many years to make sure that those deep fakes are really, really good. And they're going to target the right organizations in the right manners so that they can get people to believe what they're pushing. Um, this gets really dangerous really quickly. So, Think about that, understand it. If you're in a position where you're looking to hire people, where you're doing vetting, where you're bringing in contractors and third parties and et cetera, make sure that it's not a deep fake. Make sure that you have other controls in place to validate that that person actually exists. It sounds crazy. It's, it sounds like, whoa, there's no way that this could be real. Um, it, it, that's what's up. I mean, it's the FBI telling you there's PDFs. They took the time to publish an industry notification on it. I would say it's totally valid. There is a report that was published by Tynes, T-I-N-E-S. It's the voice of the SOC analyst. Uh, I think this is a pretty interesting report. Um, it, it's a vendor report, which, okay, vendors publish stuff, but they actually, a lot of times, will have really good methodologies in there. The key findings, and this is from the SOC analyst. They talked to, I think it was a few thousand SOC analysts. Um, and basically what it talked about was that there's uh, problems, which is not new, but let's look at the specifics of the problems. 71% of analysts experienced some level of burnout. So three out of four people are burnout. That's understaffed, um, overworked, more workloads, not good. Um, reporting, monitoring, and detection are top task consuming analyst time. A lot of that stuff should be stuff that should be automated. If you can automate, you can solve a lot of that crap. Manual work is an analyst's top frustration. Again, automation, orchestration. 66% believe that half of their tasks to almost all of their tasks, the numbers are a little bit sketchy there, could be automated today. If you could automate their tasks, analysts would use the time to update operational documentation, develop advanced detection rules, integrate more systems and logs, focus on intelligence and modify alert rules to reduce false positives. Or you can automate effectively. In other words, your analysts shouldn't be dealing with a lot of the BS that's thrown at them and say, hey, go figure this out. 64% of those folks interviewed say they are likely to switch jobs in the next year. Why? 
for the stuff that we talked about first, burnout, overwork, undervaluation, it's lack of automation, et cetera. Now, this is the one that threw me. Coding is the top skill needed to succeed as an analyst. Now, I, I was an analyst. I did a lot of work as a knock uh, sock person. Um, I write really shitty code. I like really shitty code. But I could see where the argument now comes in that they need to be able to be better at coding so that they could do that type of work. Talks about MITRE attack framework, um, knowing computer forensics, which there's probably a little bit of mishmash between the clarity on what they mean by coding because knowing MITRE and being able to leverage MITRE and then forensics are not coding specifically. But point is, it's not something that you would have typically expected. Um, excuse me, they had 468 analysts reply to this. So that's really pretty good if you think about it. The good part, analysts are satisfied with their job because it's rewarding. Um, analysts are engaged with their work, 68%. 82% feel respected by their peers outside of the SOC, which is pretty shocking too. 70% um, however say that their team is understaffed uh, and 60% say their workloads have increased over the past year. So really the thing to take away from that is if you're trying to get the right uh, people in the right spot, the focus should be on automation, orchestration, doing things at speed and scale, eliminating redundant tasks and helping those analysts that are in position to be able to do more with less via things like coding or integration or API hooks or those types of deals. So this is probably a good report for a lot of people in a leadership position to go read. It's times, .com, voice of the SOC analyst. Um, if you're setting up a SOC, if you're leveraging a SOC, if you're working with an MSSP that has those services, it's worth reading through this because it's pretty interesting. Um, it does say specifically what are the top five tasks that most folks are uh, dealing with, like the time they spend. Reporting obviously makes a lot of sense. Monitoring, okay. Um, intrusion detection. And then the last couple of bits here really are uh, operational detecting and then sh operations or shift ops, which I would say is pretty much expected. But reporting and monitoring, um, those are things that can be pretty well automated. Uh, I think there's actually an entire industry that's been built to specifically do those very, very things like multi-billion dollar companies, unicorns. So that shouldn't be that crazy difficult to do. Uh, and then lastly, because I don't like to go more than 30 minutes because people got other things to do. Um, this is a report on uh, Bloomberg. Uh, Mandiant finds possible. I think it's kind of funny that they said possible because you can tell that there's some political shenanigans going on here. Link between Kremlin pro-Russian hacktivists. U.S. officials and allies have warned about attacks from ZACnet and related group. Now, if you're familiar with Cyrillic alphabet and those types of things, I mean, if you go look at any of this stuff, it's pretty clear that you can see that there's definitely a tie in here between this hacktivist quote group and pro-Russian stuff. Um, so I would say, yeah, uh, a pro-Russian hacktivist outfit that targeted Ukraine's allies may, quote, may be tied to the Kremlin, according to preliminary research from Mandiant. Um, told Mandiant told Bloomberg that Russian intelligence operatives were likely behind a recent breach of an unnamed organization resulting in the theft of data information stolen at breach wound up in the hands of Zaknet, a pro-Russian hacktivist group that previously denied its government affiliation. 
uh, blah, 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 blah. It's important we scrutinize the actors. ZachNet, which is U.S. officials have been active since March, has claimed credit for several cyber incidents targeting Ukraine. Those include the defacement of a news ticker during a live March broadcast, uh, reporting falsely that Volodymyr Zelensky surrendered to the Russians, and the defacement of Ukrainian bank. Now, the, the point that's worth making here is that there is a bit of the political side of this that works its way into the things that we try and do to, you know, help out in the defensive posture side of cyber. Um, this is one of those where if it acts like a duck, quacks like a duck, walks like a duck, smells like a duck, it's not a hippopotamus. I mean, you, you, you know, I, I wish the Mandian folks had been a little bit more overt about this and being like, we think that this is a Russian controlled operational unit doing things rather than we think that it might and it may and whatever else like there i get it it's organization it's you never have i know I'm, I'm a fan of not tying in attribution all the time however in the auspices of doing stuff that's um gonna help the mission a little bit more there's times where it's okay to be like look this is probably this particular organization uh you if you do the research you'll notice real real quickly that this is uh this is who it is anyway uh 25 minutes in covered a bit of material uh talked about fishing talked about uh the stuff that's just going on in the space identiverse was interesting and cool um be kind to each other care for each other try and help folks where you can you never know what somebody's going through um if I can help somebody with something please reach out let me know i'm always at anybody's service um, other than that it's a crazy week it's going to get crazier uh stay smart stay safe and stay secure i will catch you on the next one disclaimer the information in this podcast episode aka episode is provided for general information purposes only by listening to this episode you understand that this is not specific technical guidance from the host no information contained in this episode should be construed as security advice from the author, host, or guest, nor is it intended to be a substitute for security advice on any particular subject matter. No listener of this episode should act or refrain from acting on the basis of any information included in or accessible through this episode without seeking the appropriate technical or other professional advice on the particular facts and circumstances that are discussed. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All views expressed therein are those of the host and his guest and should not be considered as being endorsed by nor related to the host or the guest's employers.